0: hey everyone welcome to the what are you doing podcast today we're talking uh, about anchor the new micro podcasting app and whether we want to use that um we started to talk as well about um the opportunity of being like an early adopter in new technologies in particular vr and like we're pioneering a new era um and how to like profit off of that (laughs) uh talked about uh dave trying to find a niche. a financial planner for the new wealthy so think about like youtube celebrities and esports stars things like that so young people who have a lot of money (laughs) and uh we then we do a deep dive into dave's finances and kind wealth and how that all works
1: well you're early did you just give your daughter a sleeping pill or what
0: Yeah, just just copious amounts of alcohol.
1: (laughs) Nice, yeah. Capri got drunk today.
0: She's such a lush. Easy drunk. (laughs) Um, What was I going to say? Oh, so did you get that message I sent you about... um, Yeah, you obviously did. Uh, The uh, anchor.
1: Yeah, I wanted... I didn't reply. I wanted you to tell me about it now. Okay. So it's actually pretty cool. Um, it might be worth switching. Tell me. what. It, start from the beginning. Yep. Yeah, Talk okay. to our
0: listeners. Hello.
1: Hello, <laughs> listeners.
0: Um, so, Anchor, I came across this. Uh, I hate mentioning his name as much as I do, but Gary Vaynerchuk is listening to this podcast, and he's having, an, uh, having an interview with the CEO of this app, Anchor. And it's basically like an app that's meant to it's that's meant to make podcasting super simple okay so far
1: I like what i'm hearing
0: yeah so you basically download this app you set up your channel you have a whole bunch of tools to record um your audio right so like you can just hold down and record yourself talking and then there's a bunch of when you're done you know recording whatever it is you're saying it's it's audio only by the way there's no video um you have a bunch of options for like uh, filling in backtracks and transition sounds and things like that. So if you had um, like there's sort of pre like pre made music that's meant as background music. So as you're like talking, you can have different music at different points. You can then, if you've got like different segments in your podcast, you've got these all these transition sounds. So if you're going from one topic to the next, and you insert uh-huh. these transition, it's it all just literally you swipe, and then it's just there and overlaid and there's no you can do some basic trimming and then you can share it and it shares uh, for uh, for 24 hours to anybody on it's kind of like the snapchat story or instagram stories of podcasting it's how it started where like everything you recorded would just be gone in 24 hours you'd have an archive of it but it would just be gone from the platform so you could like go back and see your listen to your recorded thing but you nobody else could see it but uh, I think not too long ago they implemented a feature where you can now turn any of these tw- these like podcasts that are going to disappear in 24 hours into an episode, and then that now makes it permanently available and has a history. And you and it t- it, t- it ties in with um, like the major RSS like your RSS feeds. So you can actually s- stream it through any of the podcasting.
1: Interesting. Like, and podcasting sources and what is so your, so stuff, your doesn't stuff doesn't stay, stay in the an anchor. anchor
0: so no it can so it will so all your episodes will show up if you turn your what's called a segment so this like 24-hour disappearing one is called a segment and you can turn any number of those into one episode or you can just turn one segment into an episode once you turn it into an episode it stays permanently and you've got this record It'll stay and live in anchor, but if you also want to then like mm-hmm. feed it through the other podcasting, I don't know mm-hmm. the terminology, because you all the you do all the back end for our podcast. So I'm actually not familiar with how it all works. But you yeah. can have that all happen.
1: Well, it sounds interesting. So is it all on the phone or do we do it over? Would you do it over? Um, The computer. It's primarily the phone but you can do,
0: so I'm going to add some extra details about what the benefits are but you can, there is a link you can go to and do it on your computer as well. So you have the option of doing both. Um, And there's some other cool features like one of the options is so instead of you just recording your own voice note, there's an interview function and you call somebody and it records the whole conversation so we're having a conversation that's recording the whole thing. And I don't I've heard mixed reactions on I don't know how good the quality is, but it takes it automatically transcribes
1: your entire conversation. That's great, yeah. Actually, I think this Google Hangouts does that. We could download the transcription. Oh, does it? Okay. Well, you, YouTube does it. And this is through Google YouTube Live. I didn't know YouTube did that either. Huh. If I ever get around to making a webpage, we could upload the transcript as well. I don't know how it does with like two different people's voices. Um, but anyway, that sounds really interesting. The one question I have is do they have, are they making, is there like a community that they're fostering? Like you want to get followers on anchor and people are going to be there. Cause that to me sounds like would be a big benefit if it's like you're going to get famous on anchor or something like
0: that. So that's the possibility if it survives and actually gains enough traction, it's gotten a lot of like early, really positive press. And that was kind of the interview from the entrepreneurial aspect is like, yeah, is this you know, you're, you're, as an entrepreneur, you get like this sort of viral, like, hey, all these media sort of channels pick it up and talk about how amazing this is. And you feel like, oh, God said, I'm going to be the next, you know, Instagram or Facebook. And then, you know, two months after that, it's crickets. And, you know, then people are criticizing it. And you feel like this is kind of the emotional ups and downs. And so that's really the question is, is this thing going to gain enough critical mass? But yeah, so there's community following. You gain followers. People favorite you. There's all sorts of channels. Like it's the whole interface is divided by channels of top like topics. And you can see the the most popular podcasters. You can then go searching for people. You can also like there's a call in feature. So people can, like, send directly voice notes to you and your epi- – like, so they're listening to your episode. You've got a button when they're listening that says call in, and they can dial in. And, yeah, they're listening to something that may be an hour or two old already, so you're already off. Like, you've it's, – it's kind of meant to replicate a radio station. Right. So you're, you're doing your thing. Somebody's listening to it two hours later, calls in. You'll get – next time you check your app or whenever you go in and look, you'll, you'll see this call in, and you have the ability to, like – Save, record, and use that call in in your next show, so somebody calls in with a question for instance mm. and you've got now got that you insert it into your next show, and you're like, okay, we're answering these questions from our users from the listeners who are calling in um, yeah, so you could do that back and forth with people
1: that's cool that sounds really interesting um i I'm thinking of it from the point of view of uh, so yeah, we have this podcast and we want people to know about it and so we have to tell people about it but if it was a platform that like as a consumer i kind of do want to have a platform where i can just go and see podcasts organized in a short way where i can just listen to short clips i'm always looking for more podcasts i'm constantly listening to podcasts actually um And so I think I would use this thing, you know, I'd pop in and be like, what's going on in the entrepreneur thing? Oh, here's this guy for 15 minutes. And like the same way I would go to Medium and start following a writer or something. And then every once in a while, like a short article is there that I would listen to. Like I could see myself interacting with an anchor in that way, Um, which then also makes me excited to be on that platform from the point of view of well, gosh, if I'm making little video clips, maybe I should also just be making stupid audio clips for painters and stuff, you know? Yeah, like, no, it's super
0: convenient is if you want to just like, it's kind of like Instagram stories, but without the video, it's just the audio. Like If you want to just do that every day, multiple times a day, just whatever your thoughts are and just like put them out there, document in in audio only. It's amazing. It's super fast, convenient. Mm-hmm. You can also like, so you can send people a like a web link where they can listen to the so if they don't even they don't even get if they're if they haven't downloaded the app you can still send them the link and they can listen to it through the internet without having to download the app Mm -hmm. which is really um pretty cool the only thing i don't know is whether there's a time limit on the length of the podcasts it's kind of got described originally like to me as like a micro podcasting thing so i don't know like there's no limit to the number of segments you can do I don't know if there's a limit to how long each segment is. I had some constraint where, like, I was playing around with it, recorded something, and it ended me at five minutes. But I don't know if that's, like, insurmountable or just because of the, the way that I chose to do it. There was a limit. Anyway, um, the other thing is you can take – we could take all of our existing uh, set of re- recorded things, and there's a way to upload existing recorded content, YouTube links. And it'll just rip all the audio out of it and make it a, a podcast on Anchor that you can then save the episode. So we could like backfill all our episodes and house mm-hmm. them on our
1: Anchor channel. Interesting, yeah. I'd, I'd be interested in that. So I'm also thinking of it at point of view and this could be in, interesting for people to hear. So the basically the process that I do now for editing and publishing this podcast. Yeah. Um, and this is... You know, we didn't do a lot of research and we first, I think, what did we, we tried something before we tried this. What did we try? Uh, maybe before Google Hangouts, you mean? Oh, no, this is the only thing we've tried, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we liked it. So we stuck with it. So, but the, so, you know, I know people use Skype and there's WebEx and stuff. I don't think I even looked or we even researched, you know, is there a podcasting platform and I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist. Um, But what we do right now is Google Hangouts, which is actually YouTube live. It's a weird thing. Google and YouTube, you go into YouTube actually. And then, so I think this is actually YouTube live now, but the window still says Google Hangouts. They're merging them together or something. So we come oh, on there okay. we do we do video as well that's on YouTube if someone wanted to see it All right i think i do i do like the video i think it improves our conversation it like it helps to like i do yeah look at you <laughs> it's nice to see what your hair's doing every week um but i, I think it I, <laughs> I think it keeps me more engaged um I like that. And it makes for a better podcast. So I, I wouldn't want to do something that doesn't have video. But anyway, we do that. We finish, um, and then it's basically it's automatically a YouTube video. I then go in, download the MP4 from YouTube, which is the video and the audio. I take that into uh, VLC, which is an open source. Um, if anyone that like watches pirated movies probably uses VLC. Mm -hmm. um it's just like an open source video player but can also do some other things one of the things it can do is it can split out the audio from the video so i take it through there to just convert it to an mp3 then i take that mp3 into audacity which is an open source audio editing software which i think is like a pretty accepted one i that's what it seems to be the only
0: one i've heard everyone talk about
1: yeah, so that's called Audacity. I think that's what everyone uses. And I'm getting pretty good with it now. I'm getting better. And I edit that, Um, go to Free Music Archive, put the music on, and then export that as an MP3, upload that to SoundCloud. And then once it's uploaded to SoundCloud, it's basically like immediately available on the RSS feed. And with the RSS feed, then, it's like anyone that has a podcast player gets it. So you have to do a one-time thing where you tell iTunes that your RSS feed exists. Um, so anyway, it's it's a bit of an intensive process. It's How not so bad. Um, so the mechanics of just, like, downloading it and converting it isn't actually that long. It just takes, a, you know, however long it takes to download, a few minutes. Um, the editing takes me a little while, but I don't know that like anything's going to save you time on that part. Like I do listen to the whole, I don't listen to the whole thing, but we always have to edit the start of it, and then I always have to edit the end of it, and then occasionally there will be something in the middle where I go and I edit. Um, but if all I'm doing is chopping off the start, putting our, we record the intro at the end, mm-hmm. so I take that, put it at the front. Put the music in, and then find the end of the podcast and cut it off there. If that's all I'm doing, sometimes I put little stuff at the end. But if that's all I'm doing, it only takes about twenty minutes. Okay. Um, so it's it's not so bad, but it's also not clean, yes. right? Like I'm like kind of being an engineer a little bit, right. and I would definitely want to hop on to if someone made a platform that just made that super easy for me I would go to that platform I don't I don't feel the need to have to know how to do these things even though it's not particularly hard
0: yeah so the the disadvantages you'd be with anchors you'd be giving up video um now the other what's interesting about this is that (laughs) this wouldn't solve anything or make anything easier but if we just the thing is if we continue doing this there's nothing preventing us from also then just uploading it to anchor. That's actually pretty easy because you just enter and you literally enter the YouTube link to the podcast and it'll rip just the audio. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm game to try, uh, if we want to research it for next week and see, I mean, obviously the, we should make an account and we'll upload it for sure. And I'm willing to try to record through there next time. Um, or if we have a guest on, maybe it's easier for a guest or something. Um, Yeah. I don't know if
0: three, I don't know if it can handle three, three way calls. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. Well, it's pretty interesting.
1: That's a cool. Yeah. I I mean, you just like
0: download it and play with it. I like, I started a channel just my own and like recorded a thing and put it up just to see what would happen. And that Mm -hmm. was like, yeah, it's like, it's fun and easy and like three people listen to it and (laughs) you each hear it all year. Yeah. Um, (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'll check that out. It does, it does, it sounds like a thing just from a macro scale of podcasts are exploding. Here's this thing designed to, you know, do like the next generation of like podcasting. You know what I
0: I liken it to? Have you ever used Canva? C-A-N-V-A? Nope. So that basically allows you to make memes and like put like fancy writing on like photos and change the backgrounds and, like, make a meme. Yeah, Um, And they make it, like, super, super easy. They've got all sorts of pre-made filters and, like, designs and all that. So you can deal, deal with templates or create your own or whatever. It's like Canva for podcasting. Like You just add music and you can, like, take calls. Some people, like, you can actually hook it up to Apple Music or Spotify. And what you can do is, like, actually create a radio station where you just like, you decide what songs you're going to play in what order and you just play those songs directly through your channel and people go to your channel and listen to the music you've like curated.
1: Hmm.
0: Now all that disappears in 24, you can't turn those into episodes because you don't have the licensing right to like. Oh right, yeah. But it's a, but it's like for, t- for 24 hours you're like whatever you've curated for music is just la- is there and people can go listen to your radio station and you can like and in, in between songs you can like you know, put your voice and people can call in and you can basically recreate <laughs> a radio station it's actually pretty cool
1: that would be fun that'd be great what i I'd,
0: think would be really neat for like a call-in show you know where we like i'd
1: love to yeah i would call into the dave o'leary the dave o'leary morning show what what would the name what would the name of, of your morning show be like the madhouse or something like that what would it be <laughs> I, I i'm not that quick a thinker i need to really think about that i can't i'm not witty like you you have to say like impact for breakfast or something yeah, like that right. or... <laughs> well cool that yeah. sounds cool so let's investigate it i i'm on i'm on board for it's, that and for it's sure. like
0: pioneering days like like you get the sense when you go there it, you know there's not a lot of scale there yet like gary Vaynerchuk is easily the biggest mm-hmm person star on that thing
1: yeah by a country model and, well that's the other thing just generally we've talked about in the past is like i think we both have an awareness that um everything is still in these very nascent nascent nation nascent 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 stages of like you don't even have to be the greatest you just need to be the first right right I mean, sure, Facebook is a different animal, and Instagram is now. But there's going to be a million of these things. And I, my hobby horse is to always talk about VR. Not that I'm doing anything with it, but I really think that I really, really think we should. I should just be getting into virtual reality and making mindless, stupid, easy to make games, and just being the only person that's doing it. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And like this feels like another one of those things where. You don't have to be the best, but if you're the first one on there and you're doing it, like just jump in, to, like don't miss the next wave, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Like so I'm curious what you think. Have you have you listened to and I I come back to it cuz I have I'm this isn't an area I haven't spent much time talking about, but I so the only the only opinions I've consumed are are Gary Vaynerchuk's on VR and audio. So he basically argues that like VR is still way too far out for it to be like an everyday sort of consumer based, like for the average person be spending any meaningful time on VR. It's probably still like 20 years out. And so he says like, it's fine to be involved, but like you're still really, really early. So there's no rush on that. It's like what he's sort of really, really interested in is making stuff for like Amazon echo and Alexa and voice. He's barely been with podcasting Amazon, like any, everything voice. He's like, that's like, in the next few years is going to just explode the way that social media exploded.
1: Yeah, well I, I agree that voice would be a thing and I've heard him rant about like making You've uh, heard that. Yeah, what is it okay. called? Making you can basically there's going to be an app store where you can make apps apps for Alexa, right? I can't remember yeah. what their commands yeah. or things so Right. Um and that makes total sense. Definitely that it'll work. Um I think that VR stuff though is not too st- early. It's still pretty imminent in the sense of I'm not thinking about making some kind of making a gaming company or making I'm not talking about doing some kind of big business to business thing. What I what I think is very, very near is um, someone's going to make a platform that makes building things in VR very easy and accessible to someone that has a little bit of coding experience, which I do. Or even like, I mean, it exists today. So you see on YouTube, someone's made this thing where you can sculpt in virtual reality, right? Huh. You hold onto these paddles and you can make these sculptures. And if you type in virtual reality sculpture on YouTube right now, there's a million of those videos, people making amazing sculptures. And so I, that's kind of the thing that I'm thinking about it Is as soon as I'm not interested in developing any VR algorithms, but as soon as someone makes the thing Mm -hmm. that makes a tool that others can use, I want to be the first person using that tool. Yeah. Um, Because I think if you're the best virtual reality sculptor, you don't even have to be that good right now. Like, Really, I should probably, arguably, be spending all of my time doing that. Right. I I really do want to. That's high on my list. Is like I should really start exploring this stuff. Um, but I think those are the types of things that, like, can be lucrative fairly quickly, because again, it's like you're building a personal brand. You're not mm-hmm. necessarily selling things. You're just going to get insanely popular because you're one of the first ones. Yeah. And you just. Yeah, or like you know, I'm probably not going to invent Angry Birds, but you could invent Tetris, right? Mm-hmm. But if you just make a fun Tetris game in VR, and you're the first one to do it, I you know, I, you know I, I don't know how it'd be, but there's things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's
0: just so much opportunities. It's just so brand. Yeah. So man, I agree with that broader point that like so, v like the VR like VR is going to make like the whole. The internet is just, like, will look small mm-hmm. in comparison to VR, how it changes the world, right? So, mm-hmm. I do agree. Yeah, it probably does make a lot of sense to be like, oh, I should just be focusing all my efforts on being an expert in this space. So, you know, or I'm noticing, I've seen something equivalent is, like, there's, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but, like, blockchain. There are people who are just, like, becoming experts in that And like Mm -hmm. building their brand around. I am just like the only person who know like is there's not that many people who are experts in it and talking about it. And like there's I can't remember the guy's name. Don Tapscott, who's just like I constantly see all over LinkedIn and Facebook, like anything to do with blockchain. And it's him and it's his content and his articles Mm -hmm. and his presentations and his son is involved, too. And like they've just they've just like carved out that domain like oh these are the experts if you're talking about blockchain you get them (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah now maybe i'm not an expert on it but that's all i ever see the only name that i know when you say blockchain and somebody knows about that's the only name and i have i don't even actively look at this stuff so like they're doing a real good job of like (laughs) creating a brand around that
1: yeah that's exactly it i mean you saw you can see it with twitch right three years ago people were laughing about why would you ever record yourself playing video games and there's millionaires (laughs) playing playing video games online right right yeah and those people if six years ago we both decided shit screw it i'm just gonna start learning how to do this and just be real active on it just as accessible to us as anyone else right and like, you can see it with these drone, drone races, right? There's these people racing drones, which is really cool. If you haven't seen those and all of these things, sure. Those people are probably pretty good, but they're also just like the first 10 people doing it. Yeah. So yeah. And that's what it is. And I starting, you know, I think it's a trying to like actually think about, well, what are those things that are coming up? What's the next one of those things? And it seems like think- they're going to keep coming
0: there's a very specific sport I'm thinking about. That's like that example where like the sports in my lifetime was like when I was younger, I was relatively new. And so like the, the, what am I thinking of? It's so weird that I, I have this very like real memory of like this sport, but I have no idea what sport I'm thinking about where like, yeah, like in the early days, it just, there weren't that many people competing at it. So the like, well, UFC is actually a great example. UFC. That's the example I'm thinking of. Like, in its early days like not that Hoist gracie wasn't like you know really impressive but like he probably just get destroyed by today's fighters mm-hmm. because like they just weren't disciplined like they were all just like each person just brought their own discipline and like that's all they fought and they didn't train in anything else
1: yeah it's they crazy cuz like now like probably me and you could beat up Hoist gracie but like <laughs> yeah, back then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, just, yeah, we just right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, but like, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah, with, the, yeah, with the eSports absolutely. and all these things, yeah, they're, they're, they're like today's eSports guys are going to look like chumps in, in 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. So I have the secret amb- ambition to like, not, amb- it's been at the back of my mind that if I could carve out a niche, with, like among, so like I'm targeting young professionals, but in particular, like. If I could carve out a niche among like, um, like ultra successful like young profe- like people really young kids who've struck it exceedingly rich, and like be their fin- like I'm the financial planner to like the YouTube stars and the uh-huh. esports stars, I think that'd be really cool. That's because like, really I don't think there's anybody else, and they probably don't trust like Bob, the fifty five year old. you know with a handlebar mustache advisor who's coming to them you know
1: yeah that's a really good idea Goldman
0: Sachs right
1: so yeah I don't know how to do that well I mean I think we know kind of the five lines that you would say if you really wanted to do that right go and find every person with over a million subscribers on YouTube and message them and tell them you want financial be their financial guy for free or whatever right right That's, like, not a bad idea at all. It's a really good idea. (laughs) You know,
0: I've actually already experimented that. I've done that, like, just, uh, like, literally a couple people with some, like, YouTube and, like, some Instagram influence and offered it and haven't received a response. But it was literally, like, a handful of people. And I suspect that the response rate would be very low because, like, it's a bit of a weird thing because, like, financial plan, like, to do it, even to do it for free means you got to sit down with somebody and tell them all your financial information. Yeah. It's not like, Hey, I'll just give you these t-shirts for free.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll be
0: your t-shirt guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your- but you could be, you could, all you have to do, all you have to do is find one.
0: Yeah.
1: Then you have credibility, right? Right. Um, and so like that one, you could be pretty transparent. Like, you know, there's probably at least one of those guys who would just want your services just because even regardless of what they are, right? Like you don't even have to pitch them on specifically I wanna do it for esports people, right? Right. You just say this is what I'm about, and that's gonna resonate probably with some YouTube star out there. I think so. And I... once you and then once you've got one, mm-hmm. then now you can like credibly claim you know that field and that guy's going to recommend his friends and stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like if I were known as like, Oh, this is the guy that like you go to,
1: that's be that'd be pretty cool. That's a really cool thing, man. Yeah. You should do that. You should just always kind of throw in a few messages to those people just while you're like, not try to spend a lot of time. No, I know making marketing or even trying to sell yourself at all as that, but just, out of every 20 times you reach out to someone, just you know, make, make one or two of them, you know, those guys spend an hour each week, just yeah. messaging those guys. My
0: constraint right now is they, they, uh, they still have to be Canadian. Cause I, I don't have the expertise to do it in the U S right yet.
1: Oh yeah. Canadians. I mean, the
0: truth is if one of them said, yeah, I don't know. I might just like figure it out. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, just sort of like, yeah, I could do it. And then like, Oh shit. I'm going to just like figure this out. <laughs> Sign up for the series seven tomorrow and bullshit until I like get up to speed. But like conceivably I could do that. That's true. So anyway, I'm just thinking out
1: loud now, but that's a good idea. I I really like that idea, man. Yeah, I am gonna Um, I am gonna play with that. Cool. Like pursue it. Nice. Um so last episode, we did my finances. Do you want to go in depth on your stuff now?
0: Yeah, sure. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting stuff.
1: Cool. So um, yeah, let's see here. So let's just the intro of the topic, I guess. Um, right. So last episode, episode 11, I went through basically a deep dive of what does it cost for me to do all the painting and what's my revenue and stuff like that. Um, which I don't know if it's interesting to people or not, but we did it. And if you're interested on like what is someone who's trying to be an artist like, what do those finances actually look like? Uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, and I and I think we both agree, you never really hear people talking about their finances and going into that depth whenever you're hearing anyone talk in any context. Um, and so I do find it pretty interesting whenever you actually hear someone talking about numbers and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um, no, I... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so so this episode we're going to do Dave, and hear, like, what is the nitty-gritty, like, what are the actual behind the scenes of, what is like, what is this model on, how do you actually make money on it?
0: Right, yeah, okay, so let's dive right in. Um, I'll talk about my costs first, and then sort of give an idea of the revenue side, and then you know, kind of paint
1: that picture of what mm-hmm. it looks like as it kind of scales. But um, why don't you just uh, describe? And so, are you going to talk about just just kind wealth as opposed to? I guess so. Yeah. Guess so yeah, you have your you have the job at World oh, Vision.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just literally so that's, like a salaried job at like 60% right. of a full time salary. Right. So um, that's not there's nothing exciting to go into there. Um, so. Yeah. So, um, on the so kind wealth is, you know, financial planning for um, young professionals 25 to 45. And what's unique about what I'm doing, or not unique, it's just differentiated. It may be unique in Canada, actually, because this is an idea I got from a US uh, planner. I think we talked about, did we talk about this on previous podcasts? The Sofia Barra?
1: I'm not sure. Maybe one of the lost ones.
0: Yeah, anyway, it's a there was a I listened to a podcast where there was this US financial planner who had started her business and was doing uh was focusing on, you know, millennials and uh she was charging a monthly subscription fee structure for her, you know, for her her business and that's that's new like the, this has never been up until very recently it had never been done before and she was, you know, experiencing a lot of success with it. And so instead of charging clients hey, I'm going to take a percentage of whatever you invest with me as my fee. Instead, you just say, I'm going to just charge you 100 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month or whatever that amount is. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm doing in a nutshell. Um, I'll describe the cost side and then sort of the revenue side and then, yeah, how that kind of scales out.
1: And so um, do you... Uh, is the other part like this, the there's the kind wealth, like kind of social impact club type thing. Yeah. You talk about that as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think right now what I'm looking at doing is just, that's just like included. If you're, a, if you're a client of kind wealth and you want to be a part of this sort of community, then that's just included. And then I am going to try to build up, allow people who are socially conscious and really like in, doing cool things kind of in the impact space to just be part of this community for without any cost. Like I'm not going to try to monetize that at all. I might, you know, later down the road, but for now I'm just, I'm thinking more and more that I'm just going to focus on I'll build clients. If they want to be part of this community, then they Mm -hmm. can. That's part of the value add of being a, a member of kind wealth. And then there, I will actually pursue other people who may not need financial planning, but just if they're, would if they would be a valuable addition to the community because they have you know they're well connected they're uh, you know working a really cool job they're just an impressive person and you know they would be beneficial to you know to have them in the community then I I would certainly you know seek those people and, and, and include them cool cool
1: yeah,
0: yeah. so um, essentially um, Mike, cost. The nice thing about this model is that the overhead is actually pretty low. So I'm set up to operate entirely virtually. So um, I don't have an office. I don't have any physical office space. And this is kind of atypical, I think, for um, my field. Um, so clients can do everything over teleconference. I do I, and can meet with clients and, and do meet with them at their home or work. So, But they don't need to come to my office. Most, most clients, you know, overwhelmingly, people prefer that. Oh, great. You're going to come to my house or my home or my work. That's great. Or a coffee shop or wherever. Um, but I can also do it Skype. And uh, so that cuts out a huge amount of overhead. Um, <laughs> I Overwhelmingly, my costs are software. Um, there's a fair bit of software involved from, you know, like the software that allows you to create a financial plan and do very detailed financial projections. This is like really highly specialized software that... Um, You know, it's it's kind of been around thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks a year. Um, It's a monthly subscription kind of model. I have, um, you know, I need to have a website. I need to have hosting. I need to have um, email, file storage. I need accounting software. um, I have a cell phone. I've got. um, what other things do I have in here? I have to have a te- like a telephone line that I can put on my business cards. That's not just my cell phone. So, like, line two is something that I'm using right now for that. Really? really yeah. So they just why give you, you
1: like. Sorry, go ahead. Why do you feel like you need another number? Is it just to keep it separate from your personal number, or you think you like need that for credibility or something?
0: Yeah, I think I think it buys credibility. It's it's like. It's a couple hundred dollars a year to have to like like I have a toll free number. So number one, it's helpful to have a toll free number because if somebody's calling from Vancouver,
1: I didn't realize it was toll free.
0: Well, yeah, you can. I have both a local and a toll free number, and both of those are like a couple hundred bucks a year.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the toll free makes total sense.
0: Yeah, and and I think it does buy credibility that it's not just me answering my cell phone. And the other thing is I don't <laughs> think I'm that far off. This is something I want to, uh, that's actually used um, relevant to this discussion is I do want to look at bringing on other financial planners. Um, and I'm like actively looking right now. And so my, one of my decisions is how do I structure that? Cause I don't have money to pay a salary to somebody. I'm thinking about doing kind of franchise model, so I can talk a little bit about how that might work financially. Um, but for now, all I'm talking about is me and like you know whoever I sign up to you know in clients that work directly with me. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've got the telephone service, I've got a, like a, a CRM client relationship management tool. Um, that's kind of six seven hundred bucks a year. Um, I've got dues to like the my industry. Accreditations I pay annual dues for. So if you add up all these costs, um, I don't know how, you you want me to go into any more detail on these things, but, um, I'm looking at kind of anywhere from, and I'm still, some of them, I'm deciding if I want to like actually incur those costs or not, but I'm looking at kind of anywhere from 10 to I think $13,000 a year in costs to run my business
1: and and that doesn't so that's not any physical space those are all basically like subscriptions more or less for services yeah yeah
0: so, so software the other big one is like i'm paying for a bookkeeper to just do um, my accounting and that's going to be probably i don't know it's hard to estimate but i'm kind of allocating a couple thousand bucks a year for that and it may actually be cheaper but i'm kind of airing on the up on the on
1: the higher side mm mm-hmm. mhm So, yeah, that's – I guess if I had sat down and thought about it, I would probably have – if I really – my gut instinct was, I don't know, it would probably be about $5,000 a year. But everything you're saying makes sense, I guess, probably if I'd really sat down and thought about, like, what does it all entail. But it's pretty interesting because in past conversations we've had, you know, you left out like I know there's like the payment processor and you have to, I don't think that's a subscription, but there's a fee on top of that and it's yeah. It's interesting how it's nice you can get all these services now, but now you have to like pay for every single service individually as well.
0: Yeah, so I've got probably like 25 different services that I purchase across you know, from DocuSign to a lot of electronic signatures of contracts and my CRM and, you know, this telephone line. And so all these extra things, Expensify and, you know, for my receipts and all that. Mm -hmm. But I felt like that's pretty attractive. Like that's a pretty attractive cost structure. Cause to be honest with you, I came from, you know, the Eden Valley partners, which was with two of my buddies and we'd set, and that, that structure, the overhead was meaningfully more. Like I'm looking at kind of like, paying $30,000, $40,000 a year
1: in costs. How is that different?
0: Um, so one is what that setup is, is we're actually um, providing, like holding the investments for the clients. Like they come to us, we open their accounts, hold them on our books. We place trades for them. So you should buy this mutual fund, this ETF, this stock. Well, okay, we call up our service that provides it and we they place those trades for you. So, in my model, all I'm doing is providing advice but not holding my client accounts and placing mm-hmm. trades of the individual investments for them. I'm partnering with um, a third party which is what's called a robo advisor and they do all of that. They they enact the investments like they, if you once you've got the, the ten thousand dollars in your account or the hundred thousand dollars they take care of all the investment side and the client pays for that separately.
1: And do you, and so you're partnering with these robo-advisors. Do you pay them at all or do they pay you at all? No. So what happens is I've structured it so that,
0: so clients sign up on, it's called WellSimple is the robo-advisor uh, that I'm using in Canada. It's the biggest one in Canada. They have There's a portal. So the client goes to WellSimple through my the link that I give them. They sign up. And that tells Well Simple that hey, this person works with me, so allow me access so that I can see their accounts and I can go in and make transfers and stuff like that. But Well Simple is actually managing all their investments, um, and they get the clients get discounted pricing because they're going through me. And you know, I'm dealing on you know at scale with Well Simple, bringing lots of clients, so they give me better pricing for my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I can actually go into their accounts, see what's going on, explain what's happening if they don't understand. Um, the Client pays well simple a fee for what they for what well simple is providing for them, and they pay me separately for all the advice. So right. what well simple do, does not do is give you any advice around do you need insurance and how do you reduce your taxes? And should you use a if this is an American audience, an IRA versus a Roth IRA, or for the Canadians listening, a, an RRSP versus a TFSA. Like there's a whole host of decisions that they're not trying to help you with. All they want to do is. You've got some money and you want to get it invested, they do that super fast, super conveniently, and super cheap.
1: Mm. That's interesting. And so it's is it really purely I'm getting a little sidetracked, but it's interesting to me. Is it just like purely a symbiotic relationship between you and the robo advisor? Like are they I, they give your clients better rates, but I would think they'd be if you got big enough, they'd want to start kind of. Paying you in some way too, no, or how would like?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, so I'm structuring it actually a little bit differently. So what what a typical advice? What they're, I think, what most advise because they're they're starting to build this. This is new for them, right? So they went, they came to market and just said, "Hey, any do-it-yourself investors, just come to us and we'll do all the investment for you, super easy." And they realized, well, there are a lot of people who would like some financial advice as well, and if we can partner with advisors. So what they, the way they price their services, they take um, half a percent of any assets that a client invests. So that's kind of the typical way financial advisors price. It's a percentage of assets. But half a percent is pretty low. Um, but that's what they take. What they would typically do with an advisor who works with them is say, okay, we'll take a half percent and you tell us what you want to charge the client as a percentage of assets for your what you're providing for them. So maybe the client's paying, you know, 2%. One and a half is going to the advisor and half percent is going to Well simple. What I did is said, I don't want to charge a percentage of assets. You make you know, So I'm going to charge them zero on my side. You take your, in, in, for my clients to get it at 35 basis points, so cheaper um, than the half percent that the 50 basis points that anybody else would pay. Um, and. So I think I guess the short answer is I think it is purely s- symbiotic. I mean I guess to the extent that I had a huge client base, yeah I think what then I might be able to do is I wouldn't accept money from them because it's just against my model, which is the only people I accept any money from is my client, because then I don't have any conflict of interest, mm-hmm. right? Other than I, my only duty is to my. Whereas if Well simple's is giving me money in the background, then I've got a, you know an incentive to tell everyone, oh use Well Simple. So right. my clients actually don't have to work with Well Simple. It's just it's a lot easier and I think most of them will like it so I recommend it. But um what I think I could do then if I had scale with Well Simple is say hey, I want an even cheaper price for my clients. Right. And right. then that gives me more leverage and more competitive advantage in the space and so I think that's how I would probably
1: use that. Okay. So you're at ten to $13,000 a year for kind of just your overhead. Yeah. And you've got the robo-advisor. So the big innovation in your model is this robo-advisor thing. So normally what you're saying is your overhead would be two or three times that because you would have to be also doing all this robo-advisor stuff as well.
0: Yeah, like you've got to pay what's called an investment dealer and you've got to be, you have to have a license through that investment dealer to recommend investments and be able to trade for a client. And then the investment dealer is the one that actually, they're highly regulated. There's lots of rules around who can and can't be an investment dealer, how much money you have to have. Like it's a huge amount of infrastructure. These are big companies that do this.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: they charge you for that service and they have a lot of say over how you run your business and what you charge. And so they're like... You're giving up a lot of flexibility, you're paying a lot of money Mm -hmm. to be able to hold the accounts and do all the investment advice. The thing is, advisors also then charge like they they take a margin on top of not just the advice, but they take margin for the actually doing the investment side. So it's a way for them to justify higher fees. But the truth is most financial advisors have no chance of beating them like doing a good job of it. Because they're yeah. like they're not educated enough. They don't have enough time. Like there's a handful of like this. So this is what I did for my career was evaluate money man like professional money managers. And the overwhelming observe like lesson learned from 13 years of evaluating professional money managers is that most of them can't beat the market. It's like a small number who can do it successfully. It's like Warren Buffett, not John, the advisor in Burlington, Ontario, who like <laughs> Spends 90% of his time meeting with clients and 5% of his day following the markets like, like he stands no chance
1: So he's yeah. charging you all this
0: money to like Convince you that he's got hey, I am gonna do a better job. No, you're not just buy a bunch of ETFs do it really cheaply and you're, Yeah like, You're better off So that's what the robo advisors do you I've just sort of given up and been like hey everyone Let's just acknowledge that advisors aren't going to beat the market. Do it. Robo-advisors are super cheap to get you into the market at a really low cost. That's what you want to do.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So the expense side, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of line items, but it's not so high, I guess.
0: Um, no. I mean, and, and compared to what it was, it's a lot lower. Yeah. And and the truth is, I've actually kind of gone on the high side. I could I could probably ratchet that down to six, seven thousand, eight thousand bucks a year if I wanted to go cheap.
1: Yeah, well, at the moment, in the volume you have right now, you could probably do without a lot of that stuff. But if you want to be ready for, that's exactly
0: what I'm doing. Is I'm building, I like for instance, I'm looking at a file sharing, uh, a file storage system instead of Dropbox, which I could use for free, that is like everything's encrypted so that I can then sell the, hey, we take your security of data really seriously and everything, all this file storage is encrypted. So I don't need, that's a cost I don't need to bear, but I'm going to. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think that's smart. I mean, if you're you're reasonably sure you're building a company for the foreseeable future, you know, your horizon is many years, you should build it on a solid foundation now. And if that means the first year you're spending an extra $10,000 on stuff that maybe your scale doesn't demand yet. It's a lot better than the headache you'll have later trying to reverse engineer that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what I'm going to do is like, not just take on as many clients as I can. What I want to do is bring on other financial planners who work under kind wealth. And I'm debating like a franchise model where they they build up their own, they're responsible for sourcing and generating their own clients so they can get help through like, to the extent that kind wealth builds a brand and reputation and the social media presence, that'll be helpful, but they drive their own clients and and acquire them. And then they just pay a percentage of their revenue to kind wealth for the website, for the, the Mm -hmm. whole process. Like there'll be like a process. Here's all you get all the software, you get access to it. Um, you know, here's how we onboard clients. And like, here's the package that we deliver when they sign up and like all that's taken care of for you. Here are the business cards. So if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, but you're interested in like, Hey, I want to be a financial planner. I just want to build my own client base, but not have to worry about all the entrepreneurial stuff. This is all taken care of for you. You Pay a percentage of your revenue to kind wealth
1: and that sounds really awesome. Let's actually dive into that then. So, how will that work? So, it sounds like there's two things. So, we we've done your cost side, yeah. Um, the revenue. So then, like on the revenue side, there's, I guess, your near term, which is what are you, Dave O'Leary, going to be able to do personally? Right. Yeah. Um, and then, I guess, I'd be really interested to hear your projections on like that franchise model, which sounds really interesting.
0: Yeah. So the franchise thing, so let's start with mine. So my pricing model, and I'm going to go to market with this and test it and see what happens because I've been going back and forth on how, what I do and how I do it. And like, I'm not going to answer these questions. I'm going to just go to market and test. So it's a three tiers of pricing. There's a starter package, which is a hundred bucks a month, sorry, 75 bucks a month. And it's, think of somebody who's 27, 28 at a school, single, things are pretty simple. They just want to get pointed in the right direction and on the right track and it's not going to be tons and tons of effort on my part and so i can price that pretty cheaply um a middle tier which is kind of the family package which is hey i'm married now i've got a kid I, maybe i got a company pension maybe i'm starting a business there's a bunch of extra factors of are you're, you're with you've got a partner and so this is now financial planning for two people and you know kids and all the factors that you know sort of come in when things are a little more complex and then a concierge kind of package, which is um, I'm toying with like 500 bucks a month. I don't know. I don't Truth is, I don't have any clients that'll fit this to start, but I imagine this is somebody who's kind of 43 and now maybe they're separated and they've got a business and uh, you know, so there's just a lot of moving parts and it's kind of like, Hey, I'm super busy. I need somebody to just like take care of all this. And maybe I've got meetings with, my accountant and my lawyer and I'd like you to join in on those meetings so that everyone's on the same page and I can get good advice about what's the best thing to do with this or that, or you know what I mean? So um, that would be just sort of a, a higher level of mm-hmm. time and effort and like handholding. Um, and so I think the truth is that my sweet spot will be that middle package. The fan, like most people when they
1: start thinking, what about were the, what were the numbers on the three tiers?
0: So 75 bucks a month two hundred dollars a month and five hundred dollars a month
1: okay you think your sweet spot is that middle tier
0: yeah because that's when most people start thinking about financial planning and it's abundantly clear you've got a lot of questions when you you're recently married and you've got you've had a kid like that's kind of like oh people realize oh i got to start taking my finances seriously do i need life insurance and I keep getting these notices about my company pension and like, they're suggest they're asking that I do something with it, but I don't even understand what they're asking. Can you look at this for me? Like it's all these types of questions.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that works out. So let's just say, so then that adds up. That's like, basically let's just call it $2,500 a year. Someone in that middle tier would be paying you. So, um, and, and then how many clients do you think you could really take on? So, and this is um, Dave O'Leary, I guess. First,
0: so uh, I'll I'll say two things. One is what I can do given that I'm splitting my time right now (laughs) with World Vision. I can, I'm sort of aiming to take on 15 to 20 clients. I'm Mm -hmm. confident that I can handle that. I'll Mm -hmm. see as it goes on whether it's more or, or you know, slightly less, but it's probably in that. I'm going to start with 15. I'm confident I can do that, maybe 20. Um, and maybe slightly more, I may be wrong, but I, what I think a full-time, somebody who's just doing it full-time and they were building a a financial planning practice, it's more like
1: 75, hundred. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, at your state, 15 to 20, that's definitely not supporting your family at that. Right. No, I'm
0: covering my, my costs.
1: Yeah, you're. Yeah, that's right. You're 13.
0: And a little more, and I'm, and I'm happy, and I'm happy that I can just like now have kind wealth. I'm, I'm also like what it's doing for me is I'm staying in the trenches of like, the, like what I don't want to like I don't want to spend my entire life doing all these financial plans for like hundreds of clients, but I like to do it enough that I've got my finger on. I understand what's involved with financial planning, the challenges, the difficulties, being familiar with the software, mm-hmm. so that. I'm able to effectively run this business. Mm-hmm. And so having my own sort of reasonably small client base allows me to stay on top of that. Yeah, and just and just cover all my costs.
1: Yeah, so you cover your costs, you're making maybe a little bit of money, you have your other your other job that's making money. And so do you think your expense your costs would actually so if you do go to the 20 clients do you think your actual like overhead costs would increase at all or do you think what you're paying for now is is scaled enough that you'd be able to handle that
0: Yeah. Yeah, no uh, my, nothing I'm, I I'd have to look at this again more closely but I don't think anything any of my expenses change at all with the number of clients where my s- expenses change is when you add other um, advisors because now the licenses that I have for these software include more users and you might have to pay more for those packages, but it's not dramatic, right? Like yeah, if I'm paying, I don't know, 50 bucks a month for something, I might have to buy the $75 a month package to get
1: 10 users instead of two, you know, like, yeah, yep. Um, okay. So then let, so you would get yourself then to, let's say you do get yourself to this, 20 clients a year, you're covering your costs. You're, I don't know if su- you're sustainable in a sense um, from that point of view. And so th- I guess that's the big question for you financially. So you have like a jumping off point there and it sounds like you've already made your decision, but one way you could go is to say, all right, I'm going to just like amass. I'm going to be Dave O'Leary and just amass as many clients as I can quit my other job and go that route and you're what then you just hire more financial planners under you, I guess, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like what you're saying is there's this other route where those folks maybe aren't quite under you and they're more franchised.
0: Yeah. Right. So those are the two options and I, you know, I haven't decided hundred percent. I don't, I I'm, but I am, I think so it's partly a function of where I'm at right now. So like this, if I wanted to do that, what you just said, I need to quit right. my job and then just hundred percent focus on gaining clients. And you know, that's perfectly, it is feasible. Like I actually think I could do it and pretty quickly. Like, and yeah. I think, yeah, I think I could make that jump pretty easily. But, um, like I think I, like I'm already in a position where I actually have more people than I, cause I've had probably four or five new prospects come in in the past few weeks and then I've got my existing clients who are going to come with me from my previous practice. So when you add those up, I'm already kind of at 10 to 15 and I've done nothing <laughs> like solicit. I'm, I'm trying to keep people like, Hey, sorry, I, I'll get back to you in like a month. Can I, I'm sort of pushing people down the road. So I feel like if I do anything to try to create awareness around this, I think, I, I think it's gonna, I think it's going to really resonate and it's going to like hit a mark. And I think I, I'm going to turn it like, I really think I'm going to have way more opportunity than than I have capacity to handle it. So what I'm thinking about is I don't want to just like the, the amount of time it would take me to build up my business, make enough money that I could then afford to pay a salary to and hire somebody to work under me is a like, that's probably three or four years away. Mm-hmm. And so the franchise model allows you to do it much quicker. The other thing is what I like about the franchise model is, I kind of feel like a salaried. So imagine a scenario where you're a client of John, who works for Kind Wealth, and John gets paid a salary by Kind Wealth to help to give you financial advice. Well, his obligation then is to Kind Wealth, like because who's paying a salary is Kind Wealth, not like. Yeah. You know, so, to the if there is any ever a conflict of interest that arises, his interest is like, oh yeah, my I got to respond to my employer, like otherwise I lose my right, job. Right. So if it comes down between you, the client, and my employer, I'm going to do what's in the best interest of my employer. And so I think to some degree, I feel like you have to if you're a financial planner, you should be being paid by your clients.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how so so that's kind of what I'm thinking about right now.
1: I, it makes sense to me. So what would that so what what would that model look like so let's assume that these franchisees or whatever um are coming in and they're they're using your pricing structure right so you now have a a a full-time person who has you know he's making 2500 dollars a year per client what do you picture would be your franchising fee or how would you structure that
0: i mean so it'd have to start off Reasonably low, because Kind Wealth won't have a, a brand recognition, um, and then and as I start, I'm still building out the whole process, like all the benefit, like all the actual, ta- like so. There's this un- intangible benefit of just the brand reputation, and then there's the tangible, like hey, you've got your business cards already designed for you. We're just going to order print them with your name on it. You've got a brand, a logo, a website, mm-hmm. um, but then even the things like What's the whole process around the client engagement and the client's interaction and, and making that like getting the software to all integrate smoothly. And so that it's a good, easy workflow. I'm still building that out And what are my reports going to look like to clients. And so that's, I'm still, so in the early days, I'm going to be able to charge less. I'm, I'm thinking like in the early days, I might even like bring people on where I'm charging them nothing just
1: yeah well your first guy is is more of a partner than he is yeah. <laughs> an employee right yeah but but I would think in the but kind of short term it might be kind of
0: 10% like once I actually start charging and then might be kind of 15%
1: maybe 20% but
0: the,
1: that's kind of I think the limit for what I could probably get charge yeah that was kind of my question so in the steady state when you have this thing really going and you have 10 people with kind wealth business cards you'd be taking 10% of that. Do you, do you picture, is there some kind of like franchising fee they're going to buy into initially, you know, you're printing business cards, you're getting, you're, you're investing in these people in some way. Um, Do they have to buy in? I would think so. Yeah. But I, I haven't really thought the model through to that point. I'm, this is
0: what I'm thinking about now. So this is, that's a good, that's a good piece of, um, advice. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they need to have some commitment that they just don't like, Oh, okay, well I'll walk away tomorrow. Cause like I just changed my mind and. Yeah. I also then have to think about things like, okay, well then we need some like kind of rules around what they can and can't do because like to the extent they're using the kind wealth brand, I don't want them. Like I need to make sure they're a hot, like, you know, they they have a good cultural fit and values and that they are representing the brand. Well, Mm -hmm. so I have to, there's a lot of logistics to think through.
1: Yeah. You know, this is another interesting thing is again, like this is a new thing for finance in a way, but the concept of franchising is very mature thing, right? Like and I, I just
0: I, something I actually know very little about to be honest with you. It's just surprising that I have a background in business, but I just haven't studied that particular thing. So I yeah. do need to start researching and learning about it.
1: Yeah, like you, you can go read books about McDonald's, right? Right. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that because or you know, I, I'm pretty sure that's how kind of like personal trainers work and CrossFit works, you know, you you make this brand and you make sure people are following your brand, but then they're also independent operators in a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. So yeah, that, so do you have a guess at, you know, your overhead right now is 10 to 13 K that's just you. How do you think, what, what things in that do you think if you had 10 employees would then have to go up? Yeah, as I
0: mentioned, it would go up, but like not dramatically. So like the financial planning software definitely is the big one where, you you know, what I'm buying for like a thousand bucks a year or 1200 bucks a year is, is for one license. So Mm -hmm. each time you buy that, you might start to get some, some bulk pricing, but you're kind of looking at a thousand bucks per advisor who's brought on. Um, and a few others work that way, but I'd say maybe like sixty or seventy percent of those costs only go up marginally for uh, for each advisor add-on. So um, yeah, it's uh, so it's it's very like it's a variable cost structure, but it it's it's fairly muted, which is nice.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You'd have to set up some infrastructure around. around paying people and that type of thing but yeah and maybe have a receptionist of some kind once you're a little but yeah it's uh yeah and 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 then i would be looking at bringing on like you
0: know at, yeah, as that scales like hey somebody's in in marketing and somebody's responsible for social media and like you mm-hmm. could hire employees and but i'd only scale that to the point that it, there was opportunity to pay for it mm
1: mm-hmm. And once you get over five employees, you need to factor in just like a really big, debaucherous, like year end party in some kind of like casino destination area.
0: Right. Well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> really, yeah. To really go with the kind theme, just, just yeah. pure yeah. gluttony, <laughs> just pure <laughs> excess and gluttony, just to get it a purge it at our system so we can be good the rest of the year.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. You should designate a day, like pick a. Pick a like a random day, not an actual holiday. I did right. some day that means you know uh, yeah. November November twelfth is is, right. is Mean Well Day. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um,
0: you know, and so one of the things I think about with this too is like, I, interestingly enough, I'm not super. I'm not approaching this like from a how do I make this as profitable as I can for me. What I'm I'm a little bit interested in just like it wouldn't be the end of the world if this, if I scaled this and wasn't like, even if it's, if it, if this, if the structure were such that it'd be nice. I mean, I'm not, I I wouldn't complain if I can make it super profitable and still do things the way that I want to do it. But even if it weren't, let's say for instance, the the cost structure is such and the way it scales is that, you know, it's not outrageously profitable, but I have now scale and capacity and brand and you're, you're you've got a lot of you're working with a lot of clients i feel like that in and of itself is valuable it's kind of yeah i, I just feel like that that's just valuable in in terms of influence in terms of mm-hmm. yeah that's there'd be some yeah. other way to like benefit from that
1: for sure yeah i mean that's kind of the whole thing about getting a following on social media and I, yes. I, I, think I yeah see. right and, and like i listened to that financial planner podcast that you turned me on to i listened to a few and you know there's some of those guys it's in all of the industries right you're then just like this personality that's doing this thing and you're prolific and you're make like you dave o'leary is you're going to make ten thousand dollars going and speaking at some conference about right. financial planning right. right like it once you're impressive enough it's not hard to i think turn that into more right that's exactly the, right the There's a, there's a joke that I'll butcher. It's like, uh, how do you make, uh, it's like, how do you make $10 million? And it's like, well, the first million dollars is hard, but like step one of making $10 million is like step one, have $1 million. Yeah. (laughs) And then like it's easy. Yeah. That's exactly. So I'll have to Google that and see what that's supposed to be. But it's some joke where it's like it's super easy to make a million dollars if you already have one million dollars, you can get yeah. to two really easily, right? And I've even lost the thread of how that applies to what you're talking about.
0: Well, so the I mean, it does lose the pie. I mean, so, to the, the yeah, once you can build that scale and you've got that reputation and that following, then like making money at that point becomes yeah. pretty easy. The, yeah. the actually you should look at this well simple the the guy who founded it, his name is Michael Katchen. Uh K A T C H. There may be a J in there somewhere anyway Michael Katchen. you can anyway well simple and Michael and he's so like Justin Trudeau was like visited their offices not too long ago and was talking about what a what a shining success story well simple is and because they just hit a billion dollars in assets you know they're kind of in their third or fourth year and so this guy like now has like just. Whatever happens to Will Simple, like he's just yeah. connected well, way too well connected to ever have any trouble making money again or getting access to to funding. Like it's just, yep. <laughs> like unless he just blows his reputation, even then he's not going to have any trouble now. Even then, <laughs> he's yeah. Anyway, that's interesting.
1: Well, cool, man. I uh, I think this is about an hour now. Um, mm-hmm. No, this is good. But the, I really enjoyed that. Does there any I thought that was that was really interesting. I didn't know those numbers about your finances and yeah how yeah. it work I, and I remember when we talked in our one of some of our lost episodes that maybe one day will be released. <laughs> I'm impressed at like how, how much clearer that all is for you now um, yeah. it's and interesting from the things that we were talking about then and you know this where how do you lock people in and do you charge up front and just what would it all be? It sounds like you're very—I don't know if confidence—the word—at least at peace or like you—you feel good and you might not have it right, but you feel confident that you've done the diligence and it's the best strategy to start with.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing I would say is I have decided I'm going to require a 12-month commitment. Uh huh. And then yeah, but yeah, no, I think what I decided is I'm just—I'm going to go to market and see how they respond. There's no—I'm not going to figure this out without Mm -hmm. just testing.
1: Yeah, I think that's the right, the right play.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I do feel, yeah, very, I'm very much at peace with that.
1: Well, that's awesome, man. I'm yeah, excited for you. Thanks. Yeah,
0: it's, it's it's helpful to sort of talk this stuff out and say it out loud. You know, sometimes when you until you say it out loud, you're like, oh yeah, well, that's either better or worse than I thought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, maybe we should wrap it up. Um, housekeeping. We're trying real hard. We've got two guests that we've just been trying to schedule and schedule. Um, I'm going to respond to those. Yeah, yeah re- respond to those notes. It, it'd be great to have them on, and especially soon, because I'm about to be traveling for a couple weeks, so maybe we could bank a couple podcasts. Um, so that, Where you know, are you going, the f- by the way? Uh, I'm going to Burkina Faso and Senegal, Dakar, awesome. Senegal. Yeah, hey, we have to, yeah, Burkina Faso will be interesting. I don't speak French. It's a French-speaking West African country. It's Senegal. Yeah, and Senegal is also French-speaking. So there's a project in Burkina Faso, um, and then Senegal is where our other Demagi office is. So I'll just be visiting, visiting. Oh, okay. Them oh, okay. Out. That's why. So that'll be. I'll have. I'll have chaperones. Right there. I've been there before. It's that, a lot of fun. Awesome.
0: That's exciting, man. Good stuff. I'm excited to hear about. Yeah. it. Yeah. I haven't been to either.
1: All right. Well, until next time, buddy.
0: Say something. No, that's it. You can just cut it off like you're, that.
1: You're always <laughs> like silent. I always expect you to say like, "All right, talk to you later."
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm always silent. I feel like I normally do say something. Okay. All right. <clears throat> we'll talk to you later.
1: The the ending of maybe this will be our thing now because boy, the ending <laughs> of our last podcast was rough. <laughs> was it?
0: I don't know I just don't know what to say I was on the spot I felt like that was probably a good one. yeah